Come on in, guys. Matt Hambridge and Jared Sundin back with Talking Llama. Going to cover our third ranked season, David versus Goliath. As always, got uh, some international coverage to go over off the top. Just just a quick, quick little hit. One or two uh, minutes here. South Africa, episode six. Just keeps cruising right along. Another another great week. Don't know what else to say. If you're not watching it, I don't know what you're doing. There aren't many things that are a better use of your time than watching South African Survivor, if you're a Survivor fan. So get on it. It's incredible. Six weeks in, about a third of the way through. Plenty of time to catch up before... Um, the season finishes. So yeah, just let me know. I will hook you up. Get on it. It's incredible. Um, Australian survivor starts this Sunday and it's going to be a few episodes a week, two or three, most likely uh, to start depending on what days it airs. I may miss the first week of, of recapping I've got a bachelor party next week. Um, so depending on how all that stuff shakes out, I may start with week two recapping. Uh, if I can, though, I'll get it out week one. I'll, I may, I'll get South Africa's episode seven this week, um, airing the 15th, probably out the 16th, 17th or so. The following week, I may miss that. And I'll mention this again, but our episode we will miss next week. I've got a bachelor party like I mentioned. Jared's out of town as well. Um, so the 22nd, we will miss back on the 29th. Um, but Jared, season 37, David versus Goliath. What a season this is. I felt guilty ranking it third. Like it's just too low, but you know, the top two are immovable also. So I don't even know what to do. Honestly, I had this as my fifth rank season and it's hard to justify it being that low. So I have it behind Cambodia and Cagayan, but you could easily make the argument. I mean, you have it as your third rank season. You could easily argue that this is a third rank season when it's all said and done and we'll probably get more into this after we finish our number one ranked season, looking five, 10 years on the line, you could probably argue that David versus Goliath is the best season of Survivor. I, yeah, I don't disagree. I think a lot would have to go right with players returning on future seasons, but definitely has potential with the cast that they had. And um, I, I think 
a lot of what made it great for me was just the gameplay was at like a 10 for the whole season. So if the people who are coming back from this season and later seasons can keep that up, definitely would say it's got potential to be looked back as the greatest of all time. I mean, this season talking all first time players, it it's probably comes down to this and Kagayan for best first time cast of all time. And we, and we got into this a little bit um, two weeks ago with Kagayan that for me, at least this may be a little bit of a rehash, but Kagayan is an amazing cast, but it was more so the collection of the players in that specific, I guess, alignment of people is what did it was what made it so good. Whereas David versus Goliath, I feel like there's so many more players where you could plop them into any given season and those players will shine. Yeah, I think so. I think David versus Goliath is a little deeper too. just looking through this cast list here. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it has a Tony, but maybe, I mean, it just how many seasons do though to be fair when you're talking about tony yeah i mean no one plays like that but i'm just saying like the like a one of a kind and and a kind of christian um you know after 37 seasons it's really strange to think that there had never been a guy like christian before but i think they might have that here so i don't know yeah just Comparing the two side by side, I think this one might have everything that Kagayan has and more. So to start, obviously, a David versus Goliath um, won by Nick Wilson. The theme, we've talked about themes before. It's kind of a whatever, once again, as the theme probes kind of forces the, the theme into tribal councils, into the narrative of challenges. It does play off very well right away so that they bring in the goliaths and they're they're just you know these big strapping attractive people and they bring in the goliath or the davids afterwards they're kind of laboring over the the side of the boat angelina gives the kind of the hand over the heart kind of the oh bless their heart type look and then they they do the first challenge and this from right away it shows you what kind of season you're in for. So the, the Davids or the Goliaths get to pick the perceived like weakest players on the Davids to, to compete. And they chose Lirsa, Lirsa, sorry, and Christian. And then, but the Davids then get to pick the routes that each tribe takes. Um, so there's a different physical part. There's um, they're ultimately a puzzle and it's kind of even, and then they get to the end, <laughs> which is a slide puzzle. One and, of my all-time favorite moments. And Christian solves the slide puzzle in about three seconds. And Probst asks him after, he's like, oh, yeah, I created slide puzzle algorithms in grad school. <laughs> so it was a bit unfair. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I could have done it faster. Then like the yeah. what was it, two or three seconds. And, <laughs> yeah. and what they did next is, is kind of a, 
a unique um, aspect of the season with with how they they did a lot of different editing tricks this season, which which played into just the overall aesthetic and just how it kind of went on to the viewers. So they've got Christian talking about I could have done this, 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 or this with with the puzzle, and it's kind of fading in and out, showing scenes of the tribe, and it just it was just day one or episode one of how they're going to sh- present this season differently to the viewers. And Christian, of course, was a perfect, perfect character to show that in t- to start that off with. You know, he, he's kind of the stereotypical nerd, but he is a dynamic personality. He was a, di- not a diamond in the rough, but an absolute gold casting choice by Survivor. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you think of the stereotypical nerd and I could see a character like that being good for a few episodes, but I think Christian has the depth to play multiple seasons after this one. Like you get to see a lot of sides of him. Um, he kind of like morphs into this guy that even the Goliaths like hanging out with. And um, we've talked about this with Tony in the past. I don't know why I keep drawing comparisons between these two guys because they play completely differently, but um, we've talked about how Tony's game kind of changed from season to season. And I could see that same thing happening with Christian, although he may not have a lot of the physical aspects to, uh, compete in challenges that Tony does, but I could, I could definitely see him playing a different game every time that he goes on. Yeah. Christian, he kind of bucks the, the, the the archetype of the, the nerd, if you will, because he's got a very strong social game as well. And he proves later on that he can compete physically also in some of the challenges. And he is, he's one of survivors best casting choices. Um, But I mean, the cast in this season, it's absurd. 10 out of 10. How how strong it is. Now, one person to talk about, the George Bushy of Tushy, Abraham Lincoln, Mayor of Slamtown. The nicknames go on and on. The Friday John, Night Delight. The Friday Night Delight. John Hennigan, professional wrestler. Now, I was all in right away, basically just off the nicknames. But you are... Jared are a huge wrestling fan. So what what did it what did it mean or what did you think when you saw John Hennigan the wrestler show up on your screen on Survivor? I I didn't know what to do because a lot of the time wrestling is portrayed in a way as like kind of a joke. And I was just hoping that they didn't make him into a one-dimensional character, you know, who is just like physical challenge beast and then we don't really cover him other than that but Mm -hmm. um i think they did a really good job of showing a few different sides of him too i he's not in terms of like wrestlers one of the more charismatic like performers on a weekly basis um he's much more of a physically gifted guy who can like do a lot of things that not a lot of other people can do physically in wrestling but uh his his personality has never really been emphasized like other guys um and so i didn't 
I didn't know if this would be a great casting choice as someone to represent the WWE, but uh, yeah, even, even right there, right off the bat, you could see like, okay, he's going to be just fine. From, from the moment he basically got his first words in, I was like, yeah, 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 this, this dude is, is awesome. And you get into the, the stream of nicknames. It's like, okay. Yep. This guy is the coolest dude <laughs> alive. And then he can connect with, with the cop, Dan, he can connect with Christian. I mean, he just, he was a fantastic, fantastic casting choice. Good player. Got cut a little early from a personal standpoint, at least, but probably about right from the gameplay standpoint. But that was maybe one of the more improbable exits too, um, given the situation. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were, there were a lot of moments there, but when you see someone, someone big like that go out, you know, the, his own comptroller plays a hand. I mean, yeah. And I think it just took like two votes to get him out too. Yeah. That was everything about, about John Hennigan. I mean, we, we talked, we could probably go down the line cast member by cast member and say how, how amazing they are. Like when we get to our second chance, it's going to be who don't you want to see again? I honestly have what's an, a 20 person cast. I think I have like 16 people that I would <laughs> yeah. say yes to, to come back. It's, out of control how strong this cast is and that's what i've said before cast and characters is the biggest thing for me give me people who are going to be entertaining even if they're bad players bad at challenges if they're going to give me drama and controversy and and humor and whatever else it might be at, at camp and that that kind of knocking against each other i in this the day-to-day life that's what i that's what i want and this this cast was you know second to none in that in that um standpoint yeah i i also would not run out of good things to say about it if given enough time but uh yeah i don't know if you want to just we probably don't want to go down the entire list here but um yeah i even even Pat, first guy out, uh, evacuated. Like he he would be one that I would like to see how he did given more time. That that is a that's a really good point to discuss because that's such a unique and unfortunate way to go out of the game. It wasn't it wasn't in a challenge or anything like that. They were literally on the boat back to camp and they hit like a wave or something and he lost his balance or whatever it was and hit his head or hit his back. I think it was his back. His back. And so it wasn't even anything we saw on screen, but he, it was still bad enough where he had to be evacuated from the game. And, you know, of course, discussing those kind of circumstances, you can't say for sure what would have happened had he, had he not been evacuated, but he was, at the very least on the chopping block to be voted out first. Yep. Um, and when he goes out, then, you know, that's, that's the first vote. And Nick, who ultimately wins the season was also yeah, I remember a potential this. first vote yeah. right away. 
And I think, you know, depending on how much stock you put into what people say post game, that he maybe wasn't as close to being voted out as the edit made it seem. He was still in consideration, if nothing else. Maybe it wasn't as much of a sure thing as we were led to believe by what we saw. But a, a Nick first vote would not have been a surprise based on what we saw. And Pat's unfortunate evacuation gave Nick second life in the game. And we've seen that before. You know, um, Dave Wright in Millennials, Millennials versus Gen X, when um, Paul gets evacuated with the, he had like the heart issue. He's like, this is so bad, but it's also very good for my game. And I feel bad saying that or something, whatever he says in that, in that moment. And the same can be said for Nick here that Pat's evacu- ult- evacuation ultimately maybe saved his game and let him, you know, give a second chance at his own game early on that, you know, he won the game and he might've been first out. It's astonishing once again, how one moment can swing the entire game. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm sure even if, even if Nick had gotten voted out early on the season would have been just fine. But uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting to see how he went from being so close to going home to ultimately winning. Yes. And and that's, a smart point to mention is that, well, I, I like Nick just fine. He's a, he's a great person. He's a great character, but because of how strong the cast was from a season standpoint, I agree that if he had gone out for second, third, whatever, I don't think it would have affected the enjoyment of the season much, if at all, because there were so many strong characters in the game at that point and through the base of the entire rest of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's almost more interesting to think about some of the final three combinations you could have had if he, <laughs> if he was not in the game this whole time. Um, Cause I think the, when you look at maybe the final five, it was, it was a few of the less notable people, um, you know, with Nick, like I, I wouldn't say that he was one of the biggest personalities on the season. I wouldn't say that Allison was one of the biggest personalities. I wouldn't say that Kara was. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of uh, it's interesting to think about who might have won uh, if Nick was not in the picture in that final episode. Honestly, a lot of people. I mean, yeah. depending depending when you when you take Nick out of the game, whether it was first second, fifth, 10th, 15th, whatever. There were a lot of people who were playing a pretty good game. Yep. That would have been a, a very reasonable, at least winner for this season. Um, I mean, you've got Mike white, the celebrity writer mm-hmm. just has a, has a new show just coming out, which will be featuring Alec Merlino as well. Wow! Support, didn't know that. <laughs> it just it just premiered this this past Sunday, and Alec was not in the premiere, but I believe he has credits in the. It's a six six episode miniseries. I think he has credits in the remaining five episodes. Premiere is very good, very just solid. Nothing amazing, but very solid. Uh, HBO, The White Lotus, 
So if you're Mike White fan, I mean, this is actually perfect Mike Mike White. They were looking for a show to be made during the pandemic that would be easy to make with the different like quarantine and whatever else parameters they had to take take into into account. And so he just pitched them a show filming in Hawaii, like outdoors a lot on the beach, minimal cast together at a time. And that's what they did. They, they filmed in Hawaii for like a month or like month and a half on HBO's dime. I mean, what else, what, what else can you ask for? Oh, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Um, and if you look at Mike White on the season, quintessential Mike White, he was <laughs> yeah. incredible, incredible. This, yeah. this season. Well, it's a good thing that Alec got a role on that show because you probably aren't going to see him back on survivor anytime soon. He, he did break the NDA um, <laughs> and we don't need to get too much if, if really at all into this, but after, after they filmed, he, he posted a picture on Instagram with him and Kara, something about just the capital, just like, fuck it. I think something like that. And it didn't explicitly say any sort of results, but it was pretty easy to figure out that at the very least he wasn't going to make it to the the end or win the game and it kind of insinuated that Kara as well was not going to um and if you watch the finale Alec was not at the reunion or the live finale Kara was um I don't think Alec lost any money out of the situation I could be mistaken someone can correct me if I'm wrong on that but I don't think he lost any money any of his prize money um and Kara did not as well um, but he, Alec again was not at the reunion. Now, I don't think he'll be back anytime soon. But he was well liked enough and was enough of a personality. Did enough in game wise, where if enough time passes, I think they might bring him back. But they they had such a, such a deep roster of reasonable players to return that I don't think they'll be itching to bring him back. Yeah. Yep. All right. How do you want to do this? Are we going to talk about like some some moments, some uh, some episodes? I don't know. Well, I mean, Angelina would persuade us to talk about her because she uses her power of persuasion to get discounts at restaurants. Yes. Yes. And, and her uh, her military tactics learned from her husband. Angelina is one of the all-time greatest characters in Survivor history. Yep. yep. I'd say reality television, but I don't watch <laughs> it enough to really I'm not gonna go that say far. That. But <laughs> I I could say it fairly confidently, but we won't get into that. But for sure in Survivor, one of the best characters. You know, Christian is incredible, but Angelina is that perfect combination of a big personality with zero, absolutely zero self-awareness. <laughs> yeah. Where, perfect Goliath too. Where everything she does is just perfect. <laughs> it's absolutely perfect. Yeah. Now, if she's a very smart person, 
if she can gain a just even a little self-awareness, I think she could win the game. But if she doesn't, she could come back every single season <laughs> from 41 until the show ends and would be supremely entertaining <laughs> because she, she thinks so highly of herself. She knows she's smart, but she can't recognize how she comes off to the other players. I mean, she she alone had a a season's worth of of amazing moments. I mean, there's just that that moment of saying, "I use my power of persuasion to get discounts at restaurants." Like, what does that what does that mean? What does that mean, Angelina? You go to Applebee's, you go to Chili's, you go to Chipotle, you go to somewhere somewhere actually fancy, you use ask for discounts and you get them like there's zero context makes no sense i love it there's there's the jacket situation another incredible incredible moment yep one of the one of the recent most memorable things that have happened on the show my personal favorite was uh the rice negotiations oh of of course of course the rice so if if you know the season well you for sure know know this moment but they they were angling for more rice um they didn't have enough or they were eating, eating too much whatever it was and they go to a, a challenge and angelina starts trying to negotiate for more rice for the tribe and she and because she's a master negotiator according to her her own own, own words um she she takes it upon herself to try to get probes to give them more rice. She offers several items from the camp, and and probes is, basically laughs it off, saying that's a joke of what you're offering. Um, I'm trying to find it on my notes here if I have exactly what what she what she offered. Um, well, to me, it it actually sounded like a lot when she was making the initial offer, but. I think uh, Jeff was looking for something more along the lines of like, how can, how are you willing to put your game on the line? Yes. And then, then it ends up with um, he offers more rice. If someone sits out of the immunity challenge, which Angelina then does. And that's a big moment. But what's even better is how much she lays into that throughout the rest of the game when the family visit comes she tells her mom she gave up she gave up immunity for for rice at final tribal she talks about how she gave up immunity for rice um she has a quote i don't want any reciprocity for the rice but i did step out of a reward challenge uh she mentioned the mentions the rice again at final tribal and, and davy davy once again just an absolutely incredible character. The whole point of a selfless act is to do it and not talk about it. I mean, Angelina, so many times she said, she basically would say, I don't want credit for this, but don't forget that I did this for everybody else. And then she also has the, the fake idol moment with, with Allison where she she literally does it basically to embarrass Allison and she's telling, telling Mike and Nick that she wants to do this. And 
she's basically asking them to partake in her plan to beef up her resume. That, what? that seems like the most Angelina thing I can think of. Um, exactly. And it was yep. that it wasn't just that it was to embarrass her. It's like she thought she was so smart and she was so proud of herself for thinking of that. And the execution was kind of like everyone looked at her like, okay. See, see that that moment on, on the rewatch, like I truly believe Angelina did not do it strictly to embarrass Allison. Yeah. Yeah. But, I think a lot of it was resume too. But that is 1000% how it comes off. It came off as I'm going to do this to make Allison look like a fool. And that goes back to Angelina having zero perception of how she came off to the rest of the tribe. That she, from the entire game, she had no idea none on how she was being perceived by the tribe mates, by the jury, by anybody. And this was just a perfect defining moment of, of her failure to realize that. Yeah. I mean, not, not much more to say other than uh, I think she learned it at final tribal after the votes were cast, how it worked out. Also, I think my one of my favorite moments also with Angelina um, was at Final Tribal where where John, our favorite John again, he specifically says, I don't know what the question was, doesn't matter. He goes, I want to hear this from Mike. And Angelina just goes, I'll, I'll jump in here. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Just read yeah. the room for me one time. Please, one time. And I mean, a, a, another just defining moment of how she had zero perception. Once again, love, absolutely love Angelina. She is TV gold. I like her. I think she's a good person. Like this isn't to make fun of her as in like she's such a dummy or such an idiot. She's just perfect. Absolutely picture perfect for not just reality TV, but specifically Survivor. And even even Probst after the season, um, I think it was Dalton Ross was interviewing him, had a few you know season cl- close-up questions, asked him, like, if you could cast one person from this sh- season again, who would it be? And he picked Angelina. Basically, for, whatever, for what we're saying now, like, a lot of people would point to Christian or Nick or Davey or Natalie. We'll get to Natalie later for sure. I need to at least. Um, but he picked Angelina and he didn't say so much as she doesn't have any awareness, but it was basically just everything she does is a, is a moment. Everything she does makes you stand up in your seat and go, what the hell just happened? <laughs> yep. Need more of them. Need more of those people. So as I mentioned, let's Natalie, another Natalie Napalm, just a perfect character. What what do you think of Natalie? Uh, I think as a character for the show, she's good. Um, I'd say more good than bad. I she's not one of my favorite villains to watch, though. Um, I think like 
Angelina has, you know, a lack of self-awareness as we've talked about. I think Natalie has it too, but in a way that's just a little bit less enjoyable to watch. See, I, I personally find Natalie supremely entertaining. Whereas I don't think she has the same lack of self-awareness that Angelina has, but she just has such, what's the word I'm thinking of? Such an aversion to changing her, her approach to the game that makes her aggressive, abrasive personality shine from a character standpoint Someone like her playing the way she did will never, ever, 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 ever win the game. Just zero chance. But from a fan standpoint, I don't I don't care. Give well, me someone like Natalie every season who just is strong, just bossy, and refuses to believe she's wrong. And she'll go out you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, every time, and it'll be a, a great six weeks. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it'll definitely keep you busy for six weeks writing recaps. I think uh, maybe the height of of her lack of awareness was, I think Jeremy was trying to talk to her. And I, I actually really like Jeremy as a character. Yep. Um, and she, yeah, she just still would not listen to him. He tried to come at her from a few different angles and uh, just just couldn't get through. And he ended up going home. And uh, yeah, it, I mean, that is what a force she is, though. Natalie Napalm. I mean, she's got the nickname for a reason. She's she's been amazing in business, in business. Everything she touches turns to gold. She's had people who would literally take a bullet for her. Her her quotes, not mine. Not I Jeremy, mean, but not Jeremy. No, Natalie. I mean, <laughs> just and then she basically tries to blackmail people into stealing other into stealing jackets to maybe get them to stay in the game, which leads to Angelina asking Natalie for the jacket as she gets voted out. I mean, I don't know what to, know what else to say. Those two specifically alone provided so many moments and they're just two people yeah on this cast yeah i think just to look at it from a, a kind of a wider lens this season i think we've talked about themes and how a lot of the time they're arbitrary and they're just meant to separate people into tribes and then you know, once the merge comes, it all goes away and you don't really think about it. But yep. I think they did a really good job. This was one of my favorite themes because whether it was editing or just how the game played out, um, I think the story unfolded how they wanted it to. And the Goliaths were exactly what they were supposed to be there for. If you look at um, Angelina, if you look at Natalie, if you look at Dan, uh, if you look at if you look at John a little bit, um, you know, there's a lot of like physicality, a lot of personality um, and and a lot of overconfidence. And I think that, you know, having an underdog going up against an overconfident group is 
one of the most compelling stories, um, not even that you could put on a reality show, but sports it's, you know, you're going to get that a lot. So, um, yeah, that was, that was one of the things that tied the season together that made me really, really love it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the theme can kind of be hit or miss and depending on how long it goes into the season, but just once again, it goes back to the characters and the, and the cast and how, how much impact they had on, on everything and whether it's playing into the theme or just being themselves that the cast really elevated this season to a, to another level that other, you know, the same, the same theme with different, with a different cast, maybe it could have been a complete dud, but it just goes to show, at least for my money, that the theme can be literally anything you want. If you have the right cast, the season's going to hit. If you have the wrong cast, the season's going to suck. That is another way to look at it. Um, there's a few things also that that I want to talk about. Not necessarily moments, but um, memorable things about the season. Yeah. That I, I think are probably pretty well known in the Survivor community, but I, I want to make sure we don't forget them. Um, <clears throat> first off, Obviously, the Brochachos, um, <laughs> one of my favorite alliances of all time, just because, you know, John and Dan are the obvious duo and they bring Christian in and it, it's not just to appease him. It, it's that they gen- they genuinely seem to like him and watching him kind of work his way through that while also maintaining his original alliances is, is really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, so, so like Christian kind of gets his way into the brochachos with um, John and, and Dan and you get the whole, the whole little spiel of John being, being the mayor of Slamtown. Christian trying to apply for the comptroller, but they have no, no internet connection on the Island. <laughs> web I mean, portal is down. The web portal is down. I mean, it's just little things like that, that, that you don't get every season, like those kind of small little connections and jokes and relationships that make a season when you get those little moments, episode by episode that build up over time. And yes, the one moment is great, but you get moment here, moment there, moment there, moment there. And it just, by the end of it all, you, you just have a feeling of, Oh yeah, I had an amazing super fun time watching these players play and that kind of ability to adapt or relate to new and different people goes a long, long way, not only in players having a more effective game, but just in the season as a whole being better. Yeah. And their particular story, the Brochacho's particular story, I think came to a really fitting end where Christian, the underdog, orchestrated this blindside on John. And um, that was that was still pretty early on in my survivor viewing timeline where I came in on season 35 and I hadn't really seen a move like this where everyone in the game thinks that, you know, one of two things is going to happen. And then out of nowhere, you know, a couple people throw some votes on a a third person that you're not expecting at all. And um, that was, 
that was one of the moments, the first moments that really made me respect Survivor um, as like a strategic competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So love that. And and then speaking of eliminations, another big one was Dan's with the idol nullifier. Now, couple things to couple ways to kind of approach that. There's that specific vote and then the nullifier in general. Just as a as a broad idea or twist or advantage, what do you think of the idol nullifier? I knew we were going to talk about this. So I was thinking about this earlier today and I think, um, I think I hate it. Correct. (laughs) Yeah. Correct. You know, if you're Dan and you, you actively seek out ways to benefit yourself in the game and to just have someone come in and erase all of it because they have a different toy than you have is like not, I mean, literally defeating, but demoralizing. And it seems like kind of a flaw in the game. uh, If you know, like, uh, I don't know. Um, If you know that all of your hard work can just go to waste, like because someone else got something a little better than you. My reason for not liking it, while you have very good points and I wouldn't disagree with any of that, is that it unless the perfect situation presents itself, it's basically a way for a majority alliance to stay in power. Um, because if you're in the majority alliance, you're not often going to have to play an idol for yourself. So the idol nullifier then just doesn't really come into effect. And if you're in the minority alliance, you, you won't want to play an idol and the nullifier will just treat it to play it correctly, but will then just defeat that whole whole purpose. Now here, I think it played played out about as perfectly as it could have. Um, because what, what I think is is very cool about how this went down is when it comes to idols and advantages, one of the big things that we've discussed about and really anyone talking Survivor will discuss is, do you share that information with other people? Do I tell you I have an idol? Do you tell me you have X advantage or Y advantage? And here, the David's sharing information um, Nick had a vote steal. Carl had another fire. Nullifier, excuse me. That allowed them to make their plan. And Dan telling Kara about his idol led them to know that an idol was in was in the works to be played. So you have you can you have both sides there. One share information allows the plan to go through. One sharing information allows your plan to kind of go bust. That they know when to play their advantages and they played it perfectly because they, they, they guaranteed to 100% certainty that Dan was going home that night, that they didn't need to play everything to get it to work. But in doing so they left zero room for error. So it was a great move because they, they closed off all possible 
I guess flaws. That's not the right word, but you know, you're, you know what I'm trying to say. Close off all possible ways for it to go wrong. Um, but in general, another fire is not my favorite advantage or twist. Um, it did play out better here than in when they, they did it in Australian Survivor. Um, I won't say what season or how it played out, um, but a big drawback on an otherwise fantastic season was the Nuller Fire, where you could play it just after an idol was played. So you play an idol, then then I choose to play, play the nullifier. Whereas here, at least you had to make the call on playing it and on who. So there's a little bit of leeway there. But again, in most scenarios, it's going to benefit a majority alliance much more so than a minority alliance. And that's just no fun for anybody. Yeah, uh, you you probably made a better argument than I did right there. Um and I mean, <laughs> both sides, like being that there's so many different reasons not to like it, I think says all you need to know. Yeah. But once again, as, we, as we've said before on many other twists or advantages, we appreciate and like them trying something new because what's the game if you're not trying to evolve it? And once again, it played out perfectly. So I mean, just, no, go ahead. It, go ahead. If if you're not trying to evolve the game, it's uh, still almost perfect. But <laughs> true. Um, but yeah, I. It's it's nice to have not every season go the same. So yeah. Um, and once again, again, once again, it benefited from an amazing cast. You know, if this had been on a. This had happened on a, on a lesser cat with a lesser cast, it maybe wouldn't have played off as well. Maybe it would have left more of a sour taste in your mouth than it did here because you like seeing Christian and Nick and Carl band together to pull off this big move. Whereas if you had seen someone like, I don't know, a Brian Heideck make this move to save him <laughs> to, to get somebody out, it's like, well, I don't really want to see him do well. So that kind of sucked. But you have players you like taking out other players you like where it just played out as well as you could have hoped. So there's definitely more leeway in this season, I would say than in most others, just because you want to see these players make these kind of fun moves. Yeah. And like, it's, it is nice to see. So Christian and Nick and Carl pull this one off, but another one of my favorite parts about the season was, um, just all the sub alliances, like you had Christian and Gabby, you had Carl and Davey, you had Nick and Mike, um, you know, like it was, there was so much going on, but at the same time, it was still, it was still manageable to keep track of it all. Yeah. I mean, and then you've got Nick naming all of his alliances, which I think people made fun of early on. But I think, I think it paid off for him in the end. I think it did. I mean, the ends justify the means, right? Yeah, you you name something, and it it means a little more. You remember it a little a little better than just if if I say you and I have an alliance. But if I say you and I have the the George Bushy of Tushy alliance or whatever it might be, that you have something else to kind of make it stick in your mind a little more. That. 
I don't know if it would work every time like it did for Nick. But I think I think his logic, I don't think it's flawed in how he was approaching it. No, I I think it was a smart idea and um he it proved him right. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of results-based thinking um in in survivor or just in strategy games or strategy arguments whatever in general um but i think thinking about it outside of this results space that you can make the argument that giving an alliance a name like i said does make it stick in your mind a little more and it might just manipulate people into thinking that this is stronger just because you think about it more than you would just oh we have an agreement versus we have this specifically named agreement yeah um i i'm trying to think of some of the other ones that <laughs> that nick had because i feel like he had one with elizabeth too he had um, one with <clears throat> with many almost everybody it seems like. yeah yeah i mean i guess whether you're naming or not if you got all these sub alliances you're you're probably setting yourself up pretty well yeah and and it's it's a dangerous game to play because people might realize that oh he's got an alliance with me he's got an alliance with Jared he's got an alliance with Steve and Natalie and Stacy and John whoever else it might be just random people but if you can work it so that people don't kind of cross talk I mean that's kind of what you got to do because then you've got six different people who are on your side and they might not realize that they're protecting you from and within your other four or five sub alliances. Yeah, it, we've seen it. <laughs> we've seen it backfire for sure. Um, so definitely with 36 seasons of survivor knowledge under his belt, he was taking a calculated risk. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a high risk, high reward for sure. Um, and I think, I think Nick's obviously a very smart player. So he kind of knew what he was getting into at least to some degree. And I think you just, if, if that's the route you're going to take, you kind of just have to say, this is what I'm doing. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, at least I went out swinging. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm going through my head for some of these other ones too, not just with Nick, but um, I mean, Dan and Kara, like that was kind of a fun story to watch while it lasted. Um, that one was great. Um, because Kara realized immediately what was happening. Yeah, yep. He's like, yeah, Dan's in love with me. I'm just going to use this to manipulate him <laughs> to, for my benefit, which was great. Yep. And and Dan, to his credit, realized that he might be getting into trouble with that, but he still, but then he didn't necessarily play it correctly. No, I think Kara did though, where she, it's not just that she realized that she could use him, but when he started, he, he started to play a little bit out of control um, towards the end of his game. And I think she uh-huh. realized that and she started to distance herself from him there. Kara was a strong player. She, really she, good. She, she wasn't flashy. So nope. I think she gets overshadowed a little bit by the Christians and the Davies and the Angelinas and, and all of them. But she's just a solid, smart strategic player that i i think i think her average finish would you know if she were to play a bunch more would be about 
where she, here where she finished at four, that I, I think she'd have a good shot at winning pretty much any season she's on. Cause I don't think she presents as an obvious threat unless you, unless you find someone who says, Oh, she's a good looking girl. Let's get rid of her, which people will do, but she doesn't do anything that's outwardly. She's not a huge, like massive challenge. Shot. She is good at challenges, but she doesn't look like she'd be a beast in challenges. She didn't, she wasn't like a, an overly outwardly social player. She got along with people but she wasn't always the center of attention. She didn't, she wasn't cracking jokes to make the entire, you know, getting the, the entire tribe, you know, laughing and, you know, kind of at her t- beck and call. I, I think she's a really good player and I think she gets a lot of respect. I, I still think she's underrated though for what she was able, what she was able to do. Yeah. Agreed. Um, really solid player. And on a season where there's so many huge personalities and, and so many good players that realize who the huge personalities are. Um, it does make sense that you got, you know, an Allison, a Kara, a Nick at the end of the game, even Mike, I wouldn't say is a huge personality. So more of the under the radar players who could disguise their games made it to the end while you get, you know, Davey, who I, I think a lot of people started to realize was a dangerous player. You got him out. Christian had a huge target on himself for a lot of the season. Carl had some big moves and, and obviously drew a lot of attention to himself. Um, So yeah, it's, it's a fitting top five, I think for just a very well-played season and, and Kara obviously is a big part of that. I, I honestly think if anyone from the season were to play again, and you know, of course, Nick has already, but that was on an, an all winter season. He played um, well too. I think Kara would have the best chance at winning of anybody. Cause like you think of someone like even like a John Hennigan, you know, they they stand out in one way or another, whether it's John who's who sticks out as a physical threat, Christian who sticks out as a social and strategic threat, Gabby, who sticks out as a strategic threat. Um, but Kara, she just does her thing. And then you've got someone like Allison, who for some reason, we didn't see it, but everyone thought she was a threat. <laughs> or yep. it might have yep. just been everyone says she's a threat, so she becomes a threat because everyone says she's a threat, just kind of a self self-fulfilling prophecy. Nothing I saw out of her made me think she's a great player. I don't think she's a bad player. Um, but she didn't really stick out as a as a an above average survivor player, whereas Kara did. I think I think she would have a if it's not an all returning player season, I think she would stand a very good chance at not just going deep, but actually winning the game. Yeah, she would be on my short list, but I would definitely have Mike on there too. See, I think I think Mike could fall into the 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 trap of being a celebrity that as much as it doesn't matter if you're already rich, people will use that as a reason to vote you out or to not get I think we're money. past those days. I think we're past I, those I days. I would like I would like to think we are, but I don't know when it comes down to it that if you're getting my I mean it probably depends who we who would be up against. 
if he's against someone like Nick again, this small town Southern guy who's a lawyer who's trying to help people who can use the money for good versus a guy who already has a lot of money, they might still give it to Nick. But again, I don't think, and we've covered this before, I don't think outside of the game factors should make, should factor into how you vote. Now, there are always extenuating circumstances, but in general, someone being rich already should have no bearing on whether or not you vote for them to win the game. Um, but the fact of the matter is that it, that it does. It does affect it. And that will probably be Mike's, one of Mike's biggest barriers. Plus, his constant biting sarcasm, <laughs> as much as I love it, probably doesn't help help him on the island too much i i think it in a way it kind of does though because if you are depicted as like the nicest most social player a lot of the time that draws attention to you for even though it's a good reason um also is is a reason to get rid of you so throwing a few you know questionable remarks in there I don't think is the worst thing as long as it's not constant and, and I guess degrading. See, that's, that's the thing. A few and not constant. The impression we got, at least from how I read it, is that Mike's sarcasm and comments were pretty constant. And as someone who relies heavily, very heavily on sarcasm as a form of humor, I, I understand that that part of part of the game and his experience very well um, that sarcasm amongst even your family and friends when they know you can wear on them a little bit and doing so among a group of strangers. I can definitely see how that would not exactly be a welcome form of communication where that might might hold him back. But again, he's so witty and smart and just quick on his feet that I I think he can overcome that specific part more often than not. You know, if he were to if he were to play if you were to simulate him playing a bunch more times. Yeah. I, I think he could overcome that more often than not. Yep. Um let's see here. Kind of got over number of good moments here i know i know mike had a few great or, or a couple great excuse me great quotes near the end they're on a reward and he's just like drinking wine calling people idiots because they missed a clue like fucking fantastic um there's a moment where Angelina presents. She says, I want to present something great to you. I think it's the, the fake, the fake idol. And Mike just sitting there saying, can we have cake first? And his approach to the game and those, those kind of comments are what endears you to people. And I think in that moment, he was with the wrong people to get it. But like as a character and fan favorite, just, just perfect. I mean, Mike White is, is incredibly he's written a lot of great TV. So the, the wittiness and humor and smart commentary shouldn't be a surprise, but he'd, he'd be a welcome, welcome cast member on many more seasons for me. Yep. Need to have him back. Um, I think 
until we get to our second chance, the last thing I want to I want to talk about, um, and we can go over anything else that you, I think the, that we maybe missed, is of course the epic, epic, Christian versus Alec immunity challenge. It was five and a half hours. Christian versus Alec. Gabby also was incredible. It goes two and a half hours, and is still three hours short of those two. And and Christian. This this is one of my favorite moments because he he just talks his way through the challenge. And I don't I don't know again, it could be an editing trick, but I don't know how annoyed Alec was getting. But there there are moments where they show Christian talking about robots or whatever, and you see Alec just like rolling his eyes. And maybe it was just him being tired or exhausted, but the way they edited it was perfect. Um, as every every editing choice basically was for the season. But I've heard Christian in some interviews since then, and he was just saying, I had a captive audience. I mean, no one was no one was going anywhere until this challenge was over. So if I want to talk to Jeff Probst about whatever I want to talk about, this was the chance to this was the time to do it. Because no no one could say no. And he just went off for hours on end. I want to see that that cut. All six hours are on tape somewhere. I want, I'll watch it an hour at a time for six days. I, I want that. I need that. Well, you can watch it for me. Let me know how it goes. Um, I, I don't know if I have six hours in me, but that is probably One hour a day. why he, it's easy. And that's, that's not how it went down though. <laughs> that's probably why he was able to, literally outlast Alec in, in this one was just the, like, like you said, you know, one hour a day for six days, that is like, that's because you can't handle six hours of it in a row. Honestly, I, I have a very poor personal experience, like relate to that. So I I have this like teeth whitening thing that I use. And you stick it in your mouth for like a half hour at a time. And it's not like uncomfortable, but but it's not something you want to just have in your mouth for 30 minutes at a time. And so I I just got it. So it's it's like brand new. The first time I did it, I basically just like sat, sat there, just like waiting for it. And it it sucked. Absolutely was brutal. Second time I was putting away laundry. I was reading, I was I, I was watching uh episode of something or something or other and the time flew by and it kind of relates to that where if you can get your mind off of something it can become super easy which is which like like what you said with christian where if he's just talking he's not thinking about how his arm is in like the most uncomfortable position possible for a quarter of a day yeah. And and even <clears throat> still doing that is just beyond impressive. I mean, anytime they do these endurance challenges and people go an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, 13 in Palau, six here and whatever it is, it's just like, where does that willpower come from? And that's that's some of the more most impressive things people do on this show, which is that sheer I refuse to give up attitude. Yeah, a lot of them in the past have been kind of boring. It's like you almost quit out of boredom um, or you quit because you know, it's not going to end and you have a deal worked out, but this one, it seemed like they were 
legitimately in pain. And yes. that's what makes it even more impressive that he lasted that long. Yep. Cause like the, the plow with um, Tom and Ian would go 12, 13 hours, but they were just like holding on to a buoy. Yes. It'd be tough, but it wasn't a physically compromising situation necessarily. I mean, it'd be hard to do and it'd be tough to hold your body in that position for any amount of time or for that extent, extended amount of time, but it's not like your arm is behind your head angled where it's going to hurt and fall asleep and all of that. And I, I just have so much respect for people who can just, just will power their way through that. Yeah. And for everyone listening, um, Matt's voice got quieter as he did the actual reenactment of uh, the arm being put into an uncomfortable position. So this is true. Um, yeah, this is we're we're actually trying this out. Yeah. So basically, what we're saying is that it's hard, <laughs> yeah. and to really do really hard to do it for two seconds as you're demonstrating affects you. And we can't even imagine what it would be like to do, do it for five and a half hours. No, no. At the same time, though, you know, I'd be doing everyone involved in the challenge, mainly Christian Alec, a huge disservice if we did not did not mention this uh, in a, a season discussion about David versus Goliath. So one of my questions then, Jared, um, if you were trying to get a new fan into survivor is this would could this be the one season you would have them watch to say watch watch this season if you don't like this you're out if you, if you like the season keep going because i feel like this could be the one i think it is yeah you can't have returners it would have to be a new cast um, I think, yeah, Kageyan, we've mentioned that that would probably be up there too in the top three. Um, maybe, I mean, depending on era, I could see token jeans being like a good baseline show, um, or good baseline season. But yeah, this, if you're, if you're looking for someone who, who needs to have something, keep their attention, I think this would be definitely the best see i think i think for me if someone's coming to me new saying i, I want to try survivor what should i watch i would i would choose this and or pearl islands i don't think i would choose kagayan just because i think tony is too outrageous for a first time viewer that it might be too much to handle and, and someone's like, who who the hell is this guy? Yeah, it would become about him and not the season. And Which whereas, I, I guess is why Coach would not be a great intro either. But I, I think I think this season of Pearl Island, specifically this season, like, like you said, it's, it's all new players. I think that'd be super important. It's not heavy on twists or advantages or the theme is not a massive, you know, player in the season. And it's just obviously it's our third ring season, so it's a very just good, solid show. Um, you'd have to, you know, give them the the warning that this is a very good season. Not everything will be as good as this. 
But if you want to get somebody hooked onto the show, I, I think this would be a as good of a choice as you could make. Well, that was my my other idea. You know, you could start him with Thailand and say, if you love this season, boy, are you in for the experience of your life. If they love that season, can you trust their judgment? That's well, no. If they don't hate that season. Yeah, if they if they're okay watching Thailand, then I know they're going to be maybe the biggest Survivor fan ever by the time they're done with 40 seasons. That's the way to go. That's the way to go. All right. Anything else on your end before we get into Second Chance? No. No, I think we mentioned pretty much everything I want to talk about. We could we could keep going for hours about this one, but obviously my voice isn't going to make it either. Um, <laughs> Quick. One, one Jeff Probst quote, which we teased last oh, episode yeah, about yeah. balls with Jeff Probst and the balls is incredible which is worse balls separated or balls playing, clinging together both give you that both give you that uncomfortable feeling in this challenge in this challenge and he gave the pause before he said before he said in this challenge like we talked about last time he's all in he he knows what he's doing the balls jokes always play they're always funny i don't care how old we get we're early 30s. They were funny in our 20s. They're funny in our 30s. They'll be funny in our 40s, 50s, 60s. <laughs> ball humor always plays. If there's one thing you take away from this podcast, it's that ball humor is good. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, I know there's a number of like so-and-so drops his balls references to, which, I mean, does it get better? Maybe clanging. I don't know. It's I I love it because once once probes realizes or once he realized that you can't get away from it. No, no, nope, you you're have in. to be in on it with how, with how prevalent balls are in challenges, and it's just a a natural part of the commentary that has to be in play. I mean, he he can't get away from it, and it's just it's just incredible. It's just the best. <laughs> yep, more to come, I'm sure. All right, second chance. Like I said before, might be better to ask who don't you want to see play again. But <laughs> for my second chance, I'll just go through Christian, John, Mike, Angelina, Kara, Natalie, Jessica, Davy, Gabby, Elizabeth, Carl, Jeremy, Pat, Lirsa, and Alec. I'd say all of them. <laughs> which which leaves which leaves five. Nick, who already played against, he's ineligible for this, and he's a winner. And then Natalia, who was whatever Allison I didn't see what everyone else saw yep um, and B she was kind of a whatever and then I wasn't a big fan of Dan he wouldn't be on my list but he's yeah, one I of the guys you pretty much know what you're gonna get with him. he's one of the guys where if he if he got cast again I wouldn't be up in arms saying, oh, what are you doing casting him again? I just personally wouldn't wouldn't choose or advocate for him to come back. But again, yep. I have, I think, 15 of the 20 players that I would say give them a second shot. Yeah, I think um, I don't want to I don't want to get negative and and single out people who I don't want to see again. But that's probably the best way to do it. Um yeah, Nick and Allison for me, 
probably don't need to see them again. Even, even Nick, I, I think I'm, I think I'm all right with Nick. Um, probably Dan, um, Elizabeth. I wouldn't need to see Lyrsa again. Um, and then, oh man, it's B, right? That's her name. Yep. Um, yeah, I I probably don't need to see her and and Jessica. Um, so it's actually a decent amount. Yeah, I didn't. It's not like anyone got singled out. But, That's still like uh, thirteen people. <laughs> yep. Yep. Still thirteen. Um, the ones I would be most excited to come back. Uh, probably. Well, I mean, Christian and Mike, who I, I've talked up a lot. John, obviously. Angelina for however much time we spent talking about her, but some, some under the radar ones. I think, I think Jeremy would be really, really good to have back. And I think Natalia could be, could be kind of interesting too. She was starting to get pretty aggressive and vocal uh, as she knew that, well, it's, it might've been the kind of thing where she, she lost trust or she knew she was on the chopping block. But um, I remember some fireworks as she was uh, about to exit the game. Yeah. So basically what we're saying is this cast rules. If you hadn't, yep. hadn't gotten that, that point across yet, this cast is incredible. And that's, most of what makes this such a good season. I don't think the strategy was off the charts. It, it was fine. It was totally fine. There was some good, some good moves, some good moments, but just the cast and the personalities made this season. And it really illustrates how important casting can be where you get the right people on the game and you just let them do their thing and they make the season. Yeah, agreed. Um, however they casted this thing, just do that every time. Yeah, sounds simple, right? Yep. All right, well, that'll do it for David versus Goliath, our third ranked season. Just two more left. If you're keeping track at home, that leaves Heroes versus Villains and Micronesia, fans versus favorites. And next week, or We'll be off, actually. I'll be at a bachelor party. Jared's out of town. Um, good timing to unplanned have those two things at the same time. So that worked out well. Um, so January or July, January, we talked about July 22nd, we'll be off. July 29th, we'll be back with our second ranked episode, which is Micronesia, Fans vs. Favorites, season 16. Um, so next week, no episode. I, for Survivor South Africa, I will have a recap out this week for episode seven. Probably will not have an episode eight recap. We'll see how the week goes, but don't plan on it. And maybe I'll surprise you all. Um, same goes with Australian Survivor the first week. I, if it's a Monday, Tuesday, or Sunday, Monday, Tuesday type deal, I might be able to get one out. Um, but if it's a Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, some random thing like that, maybe not. 
we'll see what the what the schedule is like for those episodes. Um, may or may not have one out for week one, but for sure, week two and on. That's I shouldn't say for sure, but almost for sure. Week two and on, I'll have something, and maybe for week one, just keep an eye on on that. But again, if you want to watch South African Survivor, or you want to get hooked up to start Australian Survivor on the next season when it starts, just get at me on Twitter at Matt Hambridge. Be happy to help you help you out with that. Be happy to discuss any any moments, international Survivor or, or otherwise on Twitter. Um, I always always love when. You know, people reach out and talk about that stuff. South African players are very active on Twitter with with you know recaps and and gameplay. Um, so it's a very fun community to be a part of, um, just in that in that sense and discussing the game and everything. Um, but again, no episode next week. Back back the following week, July 29th, with our second ranked season. Just two more left before we get into our second chance casting and our brand steel simulation. Very much looking forward to that. That's going to be tons of fun. Um, might break that into two episodes. We'll see how that goes. And then once again, only a few more weeks, six, eight weeks or so before new U.S. Survivor, Jared, is the is the hope. Still waiting on that official premiere date to be announced. But in the fall, sometime at Survivor. Um, but in the meantime, just make sure to follow us on any podcast platform you use your podcast for apple spotify stitcher anywhere you listen we are there subscribe review all that fun stuff and you can follow us on twitter at llama talk pod at on instagram at talking llama pod and for jared sundin this is matt hambridge and we'll see you next time for the script of the crispy